You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. My name is Morris. I'm one of the team members uh, that lead the church uh, here at Hope Church Ipswich. One of my responsibilities is just helping invigorate mission, uh, particularly in other nations. So that gives me a good excuse to plug my own life group as the bonus of being the preacher. And we'll be again, we've been doing this for a few terms now, we've been um, gathering together once a fortnight, and each time we meet, we will do a live uh, Skype connection with one of our church plants in another nation. Uh, We've been to the Middle East, we've been to America, we've been all across Europe, and uh, we spend some time hearing about what's happening in the church plant and then uh, praying with those people and encouraging them. And it's very, very encouraging for them because often they're in a small team, they're quite isolated, and you have no idea how encouraged they are that some people in Ipswich would take an interest in what they're doing and give an evening praying with them. So uh, that's been really, really uh, exciting. And then once a term, we try to go away on a trip to visit one of these plants. We've been to uh, Frankfurt. Uh, We've been to Malaga, which was quite popular for some reason. I can't think why (laughs) that would have proved so popular, but it was. And um, we'll figure out uh, uh, where we're going to go this term. I haven't figured out yet uh, where we'll go. But um, if you want to be, uh, Tim has asked me to remind you, if you want to sign up for the life groups, you've got an opportunity at the white table uh, modelled over there by by our glamorous assistants. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, Or you can also sign up online. So if you've gone to our website and follow the links for the life group, then you can choose which life group you'd like to be involved with. So we're going to uh, look at the Word of God. We are working our way through 1 Corinthians, uh, which is a letter written by Paul, who was a very senior minister, uh, an apostle, um, in the very, very early days of the church. And Corinth, uh, in Corinth was one of his churches, which he dearly loved, although it did uh, provide him with some quite spicy challenges as well. And uh, this is a sort of a letter of instruction that he has uh, written and given to uh, the church there. But... Uh, Uh, As we find with the Bible, uh, it's a timeless, uh, beautiful uh, revelation to us. And these things that were written to instruct this church a couple of thousand years ago are just as valid and helpful for us today. And uh, here we're going to be looking at one of a couple of ceremonies that Jesus has encouraged his followers to continue to do long after he has gone to heaven. And so those two ceremonies are the Lord's Supper, or communion, and baptism, both of which we have on view today. So we have bread and wine here. Uh, If you're not familiar with that, I'm going to explain about that soon. And we have a baptistry here, which is a very large tub full of water. I'm grateful to say the water is now in the tub, because for much of the week it wasn't. It was on the floor here. But they've done a brilliant job getting that all back together again. So we're going to look at uh, some of these instructions that Paul has given. I'm reading from uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 11. I'm going to focus on verses 23 to 26. There's some quite dicey stuff either side of that uh, about the way they were going about practicing these uh, ceremonies. And, um, but we'll leave that for another day. We're going to focus on uh, some core instructions that Paul has given us. So verse 23, I'm just going to read through these verses. He says this, I, For what I received from the Lord, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. 
The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're going to unpack those a little bit together. As I say, there's two main ceremonies that Jesus has left for us. One, the Lord's Supper, or communion. One is baptism. We're celebrating both of these today. And both are brilliant reminders to us of the gospel, the good news that Christians proclaim concerning Jesus Christ. In fact, you can pretty much sum up the whole Christian message in these two simple ceremonies. So if you're not sure what all this sort of Christianity stuff is about, then the bottom line is it is pretty simple and can be clearly demonstrated through these two means that Jesus has left for us to practice. So we're going to start with the Lord's Supper, and then a little later on we'll just say a little bit about baptism as well. So the Lord's Supper is a stark reminder, time after time, every time we gather in this way, every time we come to the table to share and celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's a reminder that Christianity is not some sort of New Age spirituality. It's not some sort of ideology. It's not uh, sort of trying to uh, access our inner, inner being. It's not a mysticism. It is rooted in historical fact. And no credible historian would dispute that Jesus Christ is a real person who lived, there's more evidence for the life of Jesus Christ than for many other historical figures, like Julius Caesar and others. And no one would dispute that they existed. So no one disputes that Jesus Christ, as a man, lived on the earth, and he was publicly executed on a Roman cross. He had a body with a heart that pumped blood, the skin that bled, and he died, executed. And this is the point, there's no dispute about, about those facts. But this is the point where then opinion starts to differ <laughs> as to what the significance of that is. Some people say, well, he was a good man, and he came and he died. Now, people who trust and treasure Jesus Christ would say, this is the point at which he died for sinners. He gave his life in the place of sinners so that anyone who believes on him will be rescued from the wrath of God. And that is an event that happened once and for all history. So we can start to see how this simple ceremony helps us. And it helps us in three ways. First of all, it says here in, in verse 26, it's a proclamation. Jesus is saying, by this representation, the bread representing my body being torn and broken, the fruit of the vine, it could be wine, it could be grape juice, representing my blood being spilt, you are proclaiming my death. So 
This is really important. Okay? Now, in a room like this, typically there'll be some who, uh, many who trust and have given their life to Jesus and treasure him. There'll be others who are looking in, maybe you're polite visitors, but for you that's not where you're at. You're thinking, okay, you know, I'm, I'm here out of respect to my friend who's invited me or whatever, but it's not really uh, something that I um, am giving my life to in this way. Well, when we come and celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're proclaiming to those who don't believe what we do believe. It's a proclamation. It's not a, a sort of mystical secret ceremony done in a in a, a curtained room with our trouser legs rolled up and so on and so forth. You know, it's, it's public. We're doing this in public. And because we're proclaiming something, we're making something plain to you. This is what we believe, that Jesus died for sinners and that this body and blood is reminding us about that. And so for those who believe, we're treasuring that. We say this is a wonderful thing. Okay? And for those who don't believe, we're just saying, well, this is what we do believe. <laughs> and thank you for being gracious to be among us. But that's what this is about. And if you don't trust and treasure Jesus, then it's meaningless to be part of this uh, personally. But for those who do trust and treasure Jesus, this means everything. Because everything is as a consequence of the obedience of Jesus Christ, even to the cross, even to the death, uh, his, his own death on the cross, and even to the faithfulness of his Father, saying, because you are acceptable to me as a perfect sacrifice, I am going to raise you to life. I'm going to resurrect you as the first fruit of many who put their faith in Jesus and will be raised with him. So it's a proclamation. We are proclaiming the bread and the cup proclaim the saving death and the resurrection of Jesus because it says we're going to do this until he comes. He is alive and he's going to come again. Okay? So that's what Christians are proclaiming. So this is a proclamation. Number two, it's a remembrance. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. The Lord's Supper is about remembering. It's not about imagining or dreaming or channeling or something, you know. It's about a conscious directing of the mind back into history to Jesus and what we know about him from the Bible as an entirely historically credible character. The Lord's Supper roots us time after time in the nitty-gritty of history Bread and cup, body and blood, execution and death, we're remembering. Okay? When we come to the table, and we'll do that shortly, we're proclaiming Jesus died for sinners. And we're remembering this is what it cost. This is what it cost. We're remembering what he has done to make this possible. Jesus is saying, let this representation of my body and my blood remind you of me. Every time you do it, remember me. Yeah? I mean, for me, I think in my salvation story, reflecting on the physical agony of Jesus on the cross was hugely significant. You know, before we even get on to the spiritual agony of Jesus being separated from his father by sin that was not his. But the physical agony that someone would go and give his life in that way for me, his limbs dislocated, his muscles and sinews tearing, his, uh, the vessels of his heart separating, uh, 
enduring this physical agony for my sake. We must remember this. You know, we're people of a victory. We'll come on to that. But the victory is sweet because we remember what it cost. You know, if it's a cheap victory, then no, it's a very, very costly victory. And it costs the Lord of heaven his own life. And we say, we're going to remember this. So we proclaim and we remember. Remember me, Jesus said. I'm here with you in fellowship. Remember me. I was betrayed. And I knew I was going to be betrayed, but I gave up my own life. It wasn't taken from me. Yeah? Remember giving thanks to God who has made all this possible. Remember me breaking the bread as I willingly gave my own body to be broken. Remember me shedding my blood for you so that you might live because I died. Remember me suffering to obtain for you all the blessings of the new covenant. Remember that I won't share this meal, Jesus says, until I see you again in heaven. Yeah? Remember that glorious reunion. It's coming. So we're going to proclaim the death of Jesus and his resurrection as we share this bread and wine. And we're going to remember the death of Jesus and what it costs for us to be beneficiaries of his resurrection. And that brings us on to the third important thing about the Lord's Supper. So we're proclaiming, we're remembering, but we're also participating in Christ. If you were to go back to the previous chapter, in chapter 10, Paul goes into detail about this. It's something that is much more deeper than simply remembering. Here are believers, those who trust Christ and put their confidence in him. And Paul is saying that they are participating in the body and blood of Christ. Literally, they're experiencing a sharing in this. So as we are uh, feasting physically on bread and wine, we are feasting spiritually on all the nourishment of the benefits that Christ has obtained for us by his death and resurrection. Do you see that? It's a participating. It's a sharing. It's a partnership. It means we're sharing in or benefiting from what happened at the cross at the cross when Christ was crucified. They're enjoying forgiveness and restored fellowship with God. We're enjoying the benefit of peace with God. Joy in Christ, hope for the future, freedom from fear, security in adversity, guidance when we're confused, healing from sickness, victory over sin and temptation. We're participating in these things. When we come and we share the cup and we share the bread, we're saying, look what Jesus has obtained for us. And it's a participation and a sharing in these things. It's a wonderful and glorious privilege to do that. And by faith, we're trusting in all that God is for us in Jesus. We're nourishing ourselves with the benefits that Jesus obtained for us when he bled and when he died on the cross. So when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, this is the gospel. Jesus died for sinners. We proclaim it. We remember the cost that his body was broken and his blood was poured out. And we participate in the benefits that Jesus has been raised from the dead as the first fruit among many, and those who put their trust and confidence in him will be raised with him. Amen. Amen? So it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? What a wonderful thing to come together and uh, celebrate in this way. What a wonderful thing Jesus has given us to do together. His 
speaking about a new covenant. He's made a new arrangement with us. It's a different arrangement to the way it was before. An arrangement of law. Now it's an arrangement of grace. It's a, it's a new covenant. Uh, the key text for that would be found in Jeremiah 31. I'll just read it briefly. Because there are some precious promises of the new covenant buried in these verses. He says, The days are coming, says the Lord, when I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel, the house of Judah. Uh, This is the covenant I'll make with them, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. So we don't have these sort of uh, laws of stone, uh, tablets, you know, commandments uh, that are sort of outside of us, but he's going to put them within us. He's going to put a fresh heart within us, a fresh appetite. The law's going to be written on our hearts. We're going to have an appetite for God. Whereas in the before uh, Christ was crucified and we received the benefits of his resurrection, our appetite was for sin. Our appetite was for anything but God. But now we've been raised together with him. Our appetite is for him. We're slaves to righteousness now. We're no longer slaves to sin. It's a glorious transformation, a glorious exchange. The law has been written on our hearts. He says, I'll write it on their hearts. He said, I'll be their God. They shall be my people. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their sin. I will remember their sin no more. So as we take the bread, we're remembering a body broken. We're remembering someone standing in our place and suffering what we should have suffered. And we will never suffer. We will never suffer because Jesus has suffered in our place. He's taken all the pain. He's taken all the shame. He's taken all the wrath of God. He's taken it all so that we don't have to. And as we take the cup, we're remembering that we're in a new arrangement with God. He's, we've got a new covenant with him. Uh, he has set his love upon us. He has obtained our forgiveness. He has put within us a delight for God's ways. He's obtained for us a personal relationship with him. He's not some distant religious figure. He's our father who draws near and we can run into his presence. And he stands over us and he says, you're my people and I'm your God. And these are the marks of the new covenant. So that is the beautiful value of the Lord's Supper, of proclaiming, of remembering, of participating. We were praying through uh, Psalm 23 earlier in the week as a uh, uh, staff team, and uh, I was you know, just reading this verse where it says that the Lord prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And just this amazing <laughs> scenario that there is a battle raging, and the, the enemy is still fighting, and he's throwing grenades and arrows and spears, and there's detonations and bombs going off and so on. But we're the, we're the people of the victory. We already have the victory. And in the presence of our enemies, we're sat down you know, at a table, tucking a napkin into our collar, you know, lovely jubbly. And there's Jesus himself bringing the rolls, you know, the king is serving me in the presence. And, the, and there's the devil trying to, gnashing his teeth and, I'm going to get that one. We're just saying, hey, yeah. we are the participators in the victory of God. <laughs> and we're going to celebrate at this table the victory of Jesus in our lives. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah.
Okay, let's look at baptism briefly then. It's not in my text, but it's happening. So (laughs) it's good to just mention that. It's the other ordinance, if you like. It's the other ceremony. It's very simple. We have the Lord's Supper. And we have baptism. Now, the Lord's Supper is something that we're encouraged to do regularly. And we're encouraged to do it together. It's a together thing. It's something we all do together. There's a beautiful... I was uh, saved and baptized in the Anglican church, and I used to love it, and we had uh, communion there, and we used to quote this verse where it says, although we are many, we are one body, because we all participate in one loaf. We're all sort of this image of the fact that we're all the body of Christ. And today we're going to partake of one loaf, or one naan bread, I think it is, but uh, (laughs) pita bread, that's it. It's, a commu- it's something for the community to celebrate. Baptism is not like that. Baptism is for one person. Baptism is for one time. Baptism is to say, I now live for Jesus. Okay? This has already happened for Dan and for Steve. They've already made that. But now they're, 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 they're standing here in front of you lot and saying, look, you need to know I'm not who I used to be. Amen. I'm not who I used to be. My old self is dead. And I am now a new man in Christ. And I've been united with him. And we are now partakers of the divine nature, as Chris was reminding me earlier. Oh, it's so brilliant. I love baptism. I love it. We're going to, uh, myself and Clive, we're going to stand here soon. <laughs> this is a grave. Oh, there's several metaphors for baptism, but my favourite one is that we're going to bury someone. I love that. And we're going to lower them down in the water until the water closes over them. It's like the grave has closed over them. Because who they were has now died. They've said, I renounce the devil. I renounce sin. I renounce the world. I turn my back on all of that. I turn my back on who I used to be. And I I bury it. And the water is going to close over their face. And we'll hold them down there as long as we dare. (laughs) So there's bubbles coming from their nostrils. And then we're going to raise them to a new life with Jesus, united with Christ. I'm a new man. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation. I'm not who I used to be. It's the reverse of Christmas. All right, Christmas, we remember that the divine nature came and was united with humanity. Yeah? Mary became pregnant by the Spirit of God. Divinity united with humanity. Jesus is not the same after Christmas. He's different. Because he came in the fullness of his divinity and then he was united with us in our humanity. And that's who he is in heaven as the first fruit of many. And we now, through baptism, or what baptism symbolizes, we are in our humanity united with his divinity and we have a nature like his. We are new creatures. When you give your heart to Jesus, you are not... Just trying harder now. Yeah, Alright? It's not, okay, now, you know, now I've been baptised, I've got to try a bit harder to be a better person. You're a different person. Yes. You're a new creature. Yeah. You've been born again. Yeah. And what you were, with all its fears and insecurities and godless appetites, is dead and buried. Yes. And what you are now is alive to Christ with a new nature, with an appetite for God. 
saying, I don't, I don't have that appetite anymore. My, my flesh still tries to pull me back to that, but I don't have to be a slave to that anymore because now I'm no longer a slave to sin because I've died with Christ and been united with him. Now I'm alive to Christ and I'm a slave to righteousness. I have to go where righteousness leads me. Yes. Yeah? Hallelujah. That's what we're going to be celebrating as we baptize Steve and Dan. What they were has gone. I don't know if Dan's appetite for food has gone, because I've still seen him eating a lot, but his appetites for God have really changed. And if you know these people, if you know Steve, man alive. I've taken Dan with me on a couple of trips, and I used to have food feeding stations every couple of hours. <laughs> Otherwise, you start fainting, you know? <laughs> but if you know these men, you will know something has changed. All right? Something has changed. The appetites have changed. The things that are important to them have changed because they now have a new nature because they're united with Christ, and that is what this is symbolizing. So the gospel is before us. The gospel is before us. We are proclaiming and remembering and participating in the death and resurrection of Jesus, who died for sinners and was raised again, that we might be raised with him to a new life. And baptism is a symbol of that, that we have died to our old self, and now we're alive with Christ. Isn't it a wonderful thing? Isn't it a beautiful thing? So I just want to make a, a small appeal. We're going to, what's going to happen now is we're going to have communion. We're going to then hear some testimonies from Steve and Dan. And then we're going to baptize these dear men. Uh, that's what's going to happen now. So I just want to prepare us to... I mean, I've been preparing, preparing us for half an hour to participate in, uh, in communion. But I just want to make this appeal, really, because this is the proclamation of Christ. This is what believers proclaim. This is what those who put their trust in Jesus and treasure him are saying, is that there really is nothing else this world has to offer. You know, we, there is nothing else. No one else has... The words of eternal life, no one else has obtained for us freedom from sin and death. No one else has done that. There's nothing else out there. Turn to Jesus. Let him convict your heart. My uh, dear father, he's 90 years old. He won't mind me sharing this because he, he, he feels quite pleased when I use him as a sermon illustration. He's, <laughs> he's not a believer. Uh, but he's curious and he keeps you know, probing and asking questions. He's 90 this week. He's just been reading uh, Stephen Hawking's latest book uh, that he published just about the time he died, I think. Whereas before, Stephen Hawking would be saying, well, you know, we'll, as scientists, we'll leave the door open to the possibility of, of God. But in this book, he slams it shut, which is ironic just at the point he was dying. But he slams it shut and says, no, I don't think there's any way we can say that there is a God. And my dad read this, and he said to me, he said, Morris, he's got nothing. He's got nothing. He's, saying he's, he's telling us we, we shouldn't believe in God and he's giving us nothing in return. There's nothing out there, people. There's nothing. We're proclaiming the death and resurrection of Jesus here because it's your hope. It's your future. It's your destiny. It's your deliverance. It's your freedom. So please consider Christ. And we're going to take the bread and take the cup together. If you don't trust Jesus, it's meaningless for you. Don't uh, feel you have to be involved in that way. But please consider Christ. 
Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.